In a moment, I'm going to be reading a passage from the book of Acts, the fourth chapter, beginning in verse 32. I've been looking forward to this sermon series that we're starting today uh, for uh, the month of February. Uh, Be encouraged. We're going to be thinking together about encouragement. And you may have noticed that in your bulletin folded up an insert with a postcard that says, Be Encouraged. Uh, And on the back, there's a place for you to address this to someone uh, whom you believe could use some encouragement. Email is great. Um, Facebook is great. But, you know, an old-fashioned handwritten postcard, would that be like jaw-dropping and wonderful? Now, we, we could hardly make this easier for you. We decided not to put a stamp on it and to write it for you and address it for you. We thought you could do a little of it yourself, okay? We want you to take this, I want to challenge you to use it this week or certainly within this month and send it to someone that you believe could use some encouragement. There are extras of these back in the lobby on the table, I think right back there, with some encouragements, some mints, encouragements. Get it? Encouragement. You're a little little sluggish this morning. uh, But uh, I want to encourage you to take one of these and then go back and maybe get some more. They'll be out all month. So if you like it, uh, you can come back and get some more off of the table. But we hope that you will uh, avail yourself of that opportunity. Now, I want to read a passage from Acts chapter 4, beginning in verse 32. And I invite you to stand together as God's word comes among us. Now, the whole group of those who believed were of one heart and one soul, and no one claimed private ownership of any possessions but everything they owned was held in common. With great power, the apostles gave their testimony to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, and great grace was upon them all. There was not a needy person among them, for as many as owned land, lands or houses sold them and brought the proceeds of what was sold. They laid it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to each as any had need. There was a Levite a native of Cyprus, Joseph, to whom the apostles gave the name Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. He sold a field that belonged to him, then brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. When was the last time that somebody encouraged you through something they said or something they did or shared, when was the last time you were encouraged in a way that brightened your spirit? Encouraged by someone else in such a way that you became no longer a a sort of wilted flower, but you could almost feel it on the inside opening up, and and new strength and new vigor. When's the last time that happened for you? Think about it. Let's try this one on. When was the last time you took time to encourage someone, to verbally, to, uh, by an act, encourage someone, or through sharing of something of yourself, your time, your money, your attention. When is the last time you really took time and looked someone in the eye 
and encouraged a person. Think about it. What did it feel like when you were that encourager, when you were on the giving end? Uh, what, what was it like when you, you saw their eyes brighten and they almost uh, sat up straighter because of what you said or what you did to help them? When was the last time? Throughout this entire sermon series, we're going to be looking at the son of encouragement, a, a Bible character named Barnabas. He's not a major character in the New Testament like uh, Simon Peter or Apostle Paul or John the Apostle or some of the others, but he was a significant one. His name wasn't really Barnabas. Did you catch that in the scripture reading? His name was Joseph. The apostles gave him a nickname based on his behavior, based on his personality, because every place we're going to see Barnabas in the book of Acts in this week and in the weeks ahead, every time we see him, he's doing something encouraging. So he earned that nickname based on his behavior. And I decided, I got sidetracked uh, this week and had a little fun playing with this. What would it be like if church members gave us a nickname of how we really acted. Oh. Good morning, complainer. How you doing? Or, oh, nice to see you, Miss Negativity. Or, hey, gossip, how's it going? Selfish, did you have a good day? We better stop. That could go on a while. Barnabas, the first time we ever see him in Scripture, he's encouraging by sharing of his financial resources. He uh, owned a piece of land. He sold it. And he gave the money to the early church. The church was just getting established after the resurrection of Jesus, after the ascension of Jesus and the coming of the Holy Spirit. The church had just been birthed. He sold a piece of land. Now, what the scripture does not tell us was that piece of land he sold just a, a burial plot or was it a farm? But we do know this much, and you've probably heard this before, they aren't making any more real estate. That's why it stays valuable almost all the time. He took what was his of great value at that time and he cashed it in. He gave it to the church. Now, think about the encouragement that was to the early believers because already the followers of Jesus were being persecuted. They were being hounded. They were being ostracized. Uh, some of them lost their jobs because of the stand they took for Jesus. Some of them were, uh, lost their homes because they confessed Jesus as Lord. They had to live in caves. They had, to, they had to hide. And what would it have meant in terms of encouragement to know that the early church already had an emergency fund to help people who were struggling because of Barnabas' generosity? He gave of himself he gave of what was his, and he used it to encourage others. One time there was a man who uh, was a widower, 
Uh, he would occasionally go out to eat by himself. And sitting there one day at the restaurant, he looked at the, at the check that the waitress had brought, and it was, of course, half the amount it used to be when his wife was alive. And he was spiraling quickly down into a, a deep, dark place. And then he looked up, and across the way in the restaurant was a young couple. They weren't speaking to each other. They were obviously very tense, and they were very sad and very troubled. He could read it on their faces. And almost in an, on an impulse, he called the waitress over, and he told her, I want their check. I want to pay for it, but don't tell them. He got up, he paid for his meal, and he paid for theirs. He got in his car and he drove home and he suddenly realized he felt better. He decided to try it again. And he started the habit of several times a month going to the same restaurant, looking around, choosing someone who looked like they needed encouragement quietly buying their meal, and on his way home each time, he would pray for those people he did not know by name, asking God to bless them, to lift their spirits, and encourage them. There are so many ways that we can use our lives, our money, our time to encourage other people. And one of the things that I see when I study the book of Acts and read about Barnabas, the son of encouragement, what I see is when we encourage other people, we are creating a climate. We are creating an atmosphere of blessing, of positivity, of encouragement, of lifting. And by the way, that environment, that climate we create is the air we have to breathe also. So we are actually strengthened as we create that climate. I'm convinced that Barnabas was used by God to set the tone for the early church. That the early church would be sharers, encouragers, practicing generosity in every conceivable way. Because when we share, we are creating an atmosphere, a climate that we have to breathe as well. And when we choose to be discouraging, when we say words that curse and words that discourage and words that hurt, we are also creating an atmosphere, the air we have to breathe as well. Barnabas was a quiet leader showing the early church that we must be intentional about relationships. We must be intentional about relationships. And God has called us to do that through encouragement. And I believe that what Barnabas did blessed the early church for a long, long time. Not not only until the funds ran out, but he set the pace as an encourager. Now the applications are endless. Parents with children, making sure that our words are words that bless 
and do not hurt and wound. Making sure that the tone we set in the home is one of blessing and encouragement and not cursing and discouragement. Between husband and wife, how many times do couples fall into lazy, bad habits of talking about who's going to pick up the laundry and did you pay the light bill and what are we going to do tomorrow and and forgetting about the important pieces of encouraging one another. Actually saying and doing things that cost us a little energy we share. Uh, There was a Vermont farmer once. You know, Vermonters are not known for being really flowery in their compliments. He was sitting on the front porch with his wife and he said, uh, he said, woman, you've stood with me through everything. You're, you're, you're constant. You're a hard worker. You're so good. And I love you so much that sometimes it, it's all I can do to keep from telling you about it. <laughs> and that's the way we are. We just, we do everything but encourage. And what about the workplace? How many of us here have some kind of authority some place of leadership in our place of employment, and and we don't realize the stewardship of encouragement and the difference that it could make in our workplace. I am going to say something now that will save you $500. You don't have to sign up for that business success conference that you were thinking about going to. This is for free. And I didn't even get it out of a psychological journal. The very best thing you can do in your workplace to increase productivity, and it will not affect your expenses, is to say words of encouragement and do deeds of encouragement to the people who work for you. The smallest of things can give energy and blessing to be encouragers. And what about our relationship with neighbors, friends, extended family, those those people that are around us all the time? Think about the witness of encouragement and think about how much it means for people to be on that receiving end, whether it's financial, whether it's our time, our talents, just our attentiveness to be encouragers. Because... You never know who might be dying inside. Just dying inside. For someone to notice. For someone to bless them. You might not ever know who's in such pain that the simplest, most inexpensive thing you could do is to encourage. See, the early church struggled. They had lots of pain. They had lots of hurt. I think that's why this Bible verse from Hebrews 10, 24 and 25 was so powerful for them and remains so for us. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out. Not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. This small passage of Scripture was a lifeline to the early church, and it is for us too. 
because there, there are so many pressures that people are living with, but there's so much good we can do with just a little more intentionality, a little more focus. Be as inventive as we can be in encouraging love and help. I want to show you a simple prayer. And I'm going to ask you if you would silently pray that prayer. Lord, thank you for those who encourage me. Lord, help me to leave a trail of encouragement everywhere I go. I want you to pray that prayer silently. I want you to think about the words as you say them. And I want that to be your prayer and my prayer this morning. To thank and acknowledge those who've encouraged us and to make a commitment to leave the trail of encouragement everywhere we go. Amen.